Hey everybody, I wanna give you a gift before we dive in. If you're at the beginning of your content marketing journey or if you've been doing it a while but it's not working as well as you want and you feel like something is missing, I wanna give you a roadmap to help you get more ROI out of your content. This is my blog remix method and it's a shortcut to go from one blog to dozens of pieces of content in less than 60 minutes. Even if you have webinars, podcasts, and video content, you can take the transcripts and follow the guidelines in the exact same way. It's a great resource. It's free. You should have it. If you haven't downloaded it already, grab it right now at justinsimon.co slash remix. If you're listening to this podcast feed, you can click the link right below and download it. Get it, read it, apply it. It takes you step-by-step step to get more value out of your blog content and get it in front of your audience. So grab the guide, get a blog, and get it running. That's my blog remix method, and it's free at justinsimon.co slash remix. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, I want to thank my friends at Hatch for producing this episode. You can get unlimited podcast editing and strategy for one flat rate by visiting hatch.fm. All right, let's get in the show. Welcome to Distribution First, the show where we flip content marketing on its head and focus on what happens after you hit publish. Each week I share playbooks, motivations, stories, and strategies to help you repurpose and distribute your content because you deserve to get the most out of everything you create. Hey everybody, on this week's episode of Distribution First, I have Rob Belasabas on. He runs partnerships and community over at Uscreen. And he also is a major contributor or commenter and probably participant in the creator economy. And that's why I would first thing I thought to have Rob come on and chat about the topic today, which is what we can learn as B2B marketers and even just like regular sort of standard marketers at a company, what can we take away from the creator economy and be able to start to pull out some of those frameworks and ideas? Because in case you haven't been paying attention, the creator economy is blowing up and it's really transforming how people consume content, buy things, and it's really starting to bleed through into a lot of different areas. So Rob, welcome to the show. Yeah, Justin, thank you so much for having me on, man. Thank you so much for all that you do out here. I mean, you know, speaking on behalf of our team at Uscreen, man, we learned there's so many Justin fans. <laughs> hey, I love that. Of your newsletter, your LinkedIn content, you know, we're learning so much there. We're like constantly sharing like on Slack, like, hey, did you see what Justin just shared? We should try that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, on behalf of our team, man, props and thank you for all that you do sharing out here. Awesome. Well, I like to just jump right into it, Rob. So I think for today, let's get started with some of the creator economy stuff. So maybe just touch really briefly on, you know, for anybody who's not familiar with the creator economy or what that looks like and, and even what that is. Can you just give a like a very high level overview of what that is? Sure. Yeah. I think, I mean, my own words, creator economy, you know, like it's, you know, social media, like I guess, you know, 10 years ago, you know, it evolved into this economy now, this business, you know, a lot of social media influencers have become entrepreneurs outside of social media. And so there's become this ecosystem that's become its own economy. You know, you could call it social media, you could call it, you know, the creator economy, you could call it the media industry. It's all really blurry, in my opinion, you know, a lot of Hollywood, old Hollywood, 
LA, New York is now they're also creators and influencers. You know, these actors are traditional and then vice versa. These influencers have now also become, you know, big screen. They have their own movies. They distribute their own content and they have investors and VC seed money. And it's just really fascinating. And they're also offshooting into their own businesses outside of digital, you know, because now they have this audience, this really locked in, loyal following that's willing to pay for their Mr. Beast burgers and coffee from Emma Chamberlain and, you know, shoes from the D'Amelios. And it's just wild. And so, yeah, the creator economy is essentially what social media was that's just now grown up to figure out that, hey, we're not just a talent now. We can be the owners. We can be the CEOs of our own, you know, brands and make some decisions. And we're not at the helm of brands and stuff like that. So that's how I see the economy. I don't know. How about you, Justin? What's, I'm actually really curious to hear your thoughts, your definition on it. It's interesting. I think just hearing the way you describe that, it's almost the reverse flip of a traditional business. So if you think about maybe a traditional B2C business or B2B business, you're starting with a product and then trying to build an audience. Whereas creator economy is almost the exact flip of that, where you're building an audience. You know, Mr. Beast is a great example of that, right? Like he didn't start out trying to like create chocolate bars and burgers and, you know, different things like that. Or he started by creating compelling content that people were interested in. And so I think both camps can probably learn from each other in a lot of ways, you know, like I think creator economy, a lot of creators have to learn the business acumen and have to figure out what it takes to run a business. On the flip side of that, for the business folks, even the B2B marketers in that case, can take a page out of the creator's handbook and really try to figure out, okay, what does it take to build an audience and how do we do that in tandem? Because it doesn't have to be one or the other. I think sometimes that's what it feels like is I'm not building a media company, I'm building an X company, a software company. And it's those things don't have to be sort of uh, opposed to each other. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I think um, I was having another conversation with a couple other founders yesterday on, on my podcast, and they were saying, they said something that, you know, something along the lines of, you know, some influencers, some creators' audiences have grown much faster than their business acumen, right? And so it's like, man, I have this massive audience. How do I do this now? And how do I monetize it? And and so that's why you see some creators that do have that business background and that experience where they came from another business. And uh, so they really understand it. And so they do pretty well. Other creators would really, you know, benefit them to take on a business manager or somebody that is more strategic and kind of built that way. That's more behind the scenes to kind of help them. Similar to, again, how we look at, I mentioned Hollywood, similar to like an actor that gets an agent, you know, and the agent does all the business dealings and things like that so that actor can maximize the earning potential, you know, get endorsements and get deals and stuff like that, you know, so build revenue streams outside of just acting. It's kind of what's what's happening out there. It's pretty wild. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. The other thing with the Hollywood thing that I think is when you talk about the overall maybe creator economy, it also feels like it's a huge shift in the attention economy for where we're at when you're talking about social, when you're talking about who has the influencers, quote unquote, but who has the influence, who's able to draw attention. And if you look at traditional media, pre-social media, even honestly, the last five to 10 years, really, and how the attention economy has shifted to where 
Traditionally, folks did look at Hollywood or did look at actors or did look at whoever they saw on television to sort of gauge where interest is, or really they were kind of pigeonholed into only being able to follow those certain people. Now the internet broke all of that. Social media broke all of that. And you can, you're literally fighting for attention against everything. So a business is fighting for attention against another business, but their competition is also Disney Plus and ESPN and TikTok and the follower that, you know, and the YouTube channel. It's all these things because, you know, we have these little computers in our pockets that are just, the whole purpose is to get our attention and to keep us, you know, engaged and activated. And so I think that's another thing too, as for like the typical B2B company, when you're thinking about building out your marketing strategy and your content strategy in particular, you're not just competing with your competitor for like mind share around a particular product. You're competing for attention against everything. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, not just your competition. It is a lot of just the short attention spans is really the battle, isn't it? Like you're so right. You're competing against your competitors, but also just the rest of the world that's also trying to make content. And so, you know, these buzzwords of community and, you know, these authentic connections is so much more important for B2B companies. And I know we were chatting about this a little bit, but I think that's why people, you know, founders, for example, are coming more and more, uh, you know, sort of front facing. You know, you go to LinkedIn, you get to meet founders that are posting videos uh, with their phone. This would never happen 20 years ago. You'd never even know what the founder's voice sounded like. You know, they were kind of behind this, you know, the veil of like the marketing companies and, you know, ad agencies and stuff. But people are looking to make a decision because I feel like, Justin, maybe you feel the same or different, but, you know, a lot of the tools that we use, for example, let's say software, they're very similar. Like the features are very similar. Okay, you can do this, this, the pricing you know, there's growth divisions of companies that are breaking down pricing for their competitors. So they understand how to be competitive with pricing. So features are really close. Pricing is really close. What's left to be the differentiator? It's like, do I know somebody there? Do I have a connection with the, you know, what's the founder story? What do they believe in? Does my belief align with theirs? And, you know, does my story and my journey align with theirs? You know, for, you know, one example for us, like, our founder at Uscreen is fully bootstrapped. And so more than often, like we'll have somebody, a creator that will come and be like, hey, you know what? I really just chose you guys because I heard a podcast with PJ and I heard that he was also bootstrapped and I like that. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to sell to the VCs and I don't want to get investment. I, I like, I really align with that. And that's what caused them to make that decision to move to us, which is really interesting. Like, you know, and so that's why, you know, I think a lot of founders, a lot of B2B companies, this is what creators have done really well is build that connection. You know, maybe the business, you know, systems and automations and stuff, that's not their forte, but that connection, that's what keeps, you know, the audience coming back and watching their videos and all those things, right? And so something that we can all learn from creators, I think, is that authentic connection that you can build with your audience and build that loyalty. That audience will buy anything that creator launches. They launch a merch line, they launch chocolate bars, you know, they do a pop-up meetup, they're coming down, you know. So yeah, I think that's some of the things that they can learn there. Yeah, the connection 
is huge. And having that unique take, that was one thing that I was thinking about as you were talking about that too, is like being able to have that unique, when price doesn't matter, when you're just competing on features, when there are free alternatives to 90% of what you offer at a paid price and being able to drive in what, you know, I love that point, what's left after that, right? And I think that is where the connections, relationships, truly caring about your, not only your customers, but like the generalized audience who who may not be customers. Obviously customers, you know, you want to be able to love on them and, and be able to help them as, as much as possible, but, but also building up that audience, that fan base, that following to, like you said, when you do drop something, regardless of what it is, they're excited for that. And I think that's one of the things too for marketers to take on is it's so easy to get stuck in what every other company should do. I know when I've, and sometimes it's subconscious, but like a crazy idea might not even get brought up. You know what I mean? It might not even be, even in the most wild of corporate brainstorms, it may never get brought up because, you know, it's too crazy or like, that's not what a professional company does, or that's not what professionals expect to see out of of a company who want to buy. But I think there is something and it's going to become more and more key, which is knowing your audience so well and building for them. And that takes a ton of work. It's not a quick hack. It's not a lever to pull. It's not a, a quote unquote, for, to use a term from 10 years ago, a growth hack that everybody's trying to you know find the next little thing that we can do short term. It's a long-term play to build that audience, to gain their trust, to have people trust you, I think at the end of the day is huge. And I've seen this even in my business and it's such a small scale, but even with this show, I think today I've gotten three or four, I don't know what happened, but today it was just one of those days. I got three or four DMs. There's like, the podcast is so good. Love the episode that dropped today. And it's just like, oh, okay, that one resonated. But like when that happens, you that becomes a feedback loop to then create more stuff like that, know what the audience cares about, all that type of thing. Yeah. Again, pulling from the playbook of creators, you know, you're, they do a lot of educating. Like creators, you know, again, they just want to create you know, I get to meet a lot of these creators and podcasters and, you know, more often they'll say like, man, I would do this for free. Like, all right, that's awesome. That's really, really like, that's really heartwarming and stuff, but like your business, right? Let's remind that, you know? And so there's a lot of conversations like that where like, you know, it's okay to make money. It's okay. Like money allows you to have resources to further your message, further the things that you're doing and your mission, but they have you know, they're doing live streams, they're doing podcasts, you know, to your point, a lot of brands out there are probably years away from launching a podcast for their company. Why? Because like you said, that's not what insurance companies do. That's not what blank industries do, right? We don't do podcasts. We do TV ads. We do like radio ads and stuff. And then they're just light years behind the guys that are really picking it up and adopting what is happening now, right? With this shift in the creator economy, Either you have to be a creator yourself, there's got to be some some type of figurehead within your company, within your brand, who is the face of the brand in the creator economy, in the social media space. That's where the attention is, right? People are not 
I don't know about you, Justin. I do have cable. I will only watch it for like the playoffs, like NBA playoffs right now. <laughs> other than that, like I watch my news on YouTube or, you know, some other platform, Netflix, you know, for other things. And so people are not watching TV ads. It's just like all of these things, right? And so how do you reach that audience? You got to play how the creators are doing it because the creators have the audience. So either you become a creator, there's a figurehead within your brand. And more often than not, it's usually the founder, especially if it's a startup, it's a bootstrap company, you know, eventually maybe the founder or the company will lean on brand ambassadors, you know, creators and influencers and sort of work with them, partner with them. There's a lot of use cases and how that's been successful, but that's how you get in front of your target audience. It's really easy, but you do have to kind of look at it from the lens of the playbook of a creator, because that's what works, right? I think there are still things that are fundamental marketing things like your sales funnels and your opt-ins and all of those, you know, sort of hard skills of a marketing, hard facets of a marketing funnel and a marketing team. But I think a lot of the top of funnel stuff has changed dramatically, you know, launching an internal podcast, you know, the guys at uh, Eric at Carrot, those guys have done a really great job launching their own podcast and, and doing things like that. There's a lot of platforms that are doing that really well and their own YouTube channels and they have their internal thought leaders, right? So I think that's kind of where things go. Distribution, which is your forte, my friend, is <laughs> isn't sort of the next challenge then. Like, how do you get this message out, right? That's a great pivot point because I think that that's another area I know for sure that because I talk to them every day that, you know, traditional B2B companies struggle with. And I think it's kind of funny. I'd love your take on this, but it feels like creators inherently know, like inherently have distribution, just part of what they do. Like it, it's built into the system in which they are using to share content. Whereas B2B marketers, it's literally a discipline that's like, you know, content distribution or content repurpose, like all the, you know, all the stuff I talk about, like it's a separate thing outside of content and outside of marketing. And I'm hopefully, you know, with the show and other things, trying to bring that back in and then just have it be a part of the overall, overall theme. But I'm interested to hear your takes on creators, how they're using distribution, how they're, you know, using it more naturally and, and probably more effectively than the traditional marketer is. I mean, I think creators are more in line with distribution. I think that's why they're really good creators. You know, they create really good content. I mean, creators, I think their strong points are they're good at obviously creating camera confidence, all those soft skills like that. They're also good at understanding how to connect with an audience and keep their attention, right? You know, that's the game on YouTube is watch time and retention time. So they know what to say, how to use their words and their time, like, you know, most intentionally and distribution because like, yeah, you know, you, they put in all this work, they want to make sure they get as many views or as many clicks into um, their content, as many shares and all those things. Right. And so they're thinking through, okay, do I do this? Do I repurpose this bit and put it into IG reels and, you know, my long form to short form, do I, okay, how much more? Okay. One step back. Okay. Maybe I can do a live interview rather than a recorded one. I don't have to edit. It's kind of letting me into my own mind a little bit. <laughs> you know, what's my bottleneck? Okay, editing. Well, then maybe I'll do a live stream interview as a podcast interview and then put that and then repurpose that and chop it up, you know? So they're always thinking about these things, right? Because there's only so many hours in a day, you know? And so if you combine that with somebody with growth mentality in terms of like, 
conversions and okay, what kind of content works best for this, you know, CTA and all of those things, right? Like it's a really winning sort of dynamic, you know, because your top of funnel is strong. And then as long as like, you know, your funnel is strong, then you know, you should get people down into, you know, either a sales conversation or if it's a PLG kind of company, then it should like sort of convert itself. And if it's software, that kind of thing. So yeah, I mean, that's what creators are doing really well. And, and that's what you're doing, you know, and then kind of sharing with these founders because founders at the end of the day, and I found like founders, CMOs, they're obviously also evolving in this industry. But at the end of the day, it's the question is like, what's the ROI? What's the, Justin like, why do I need to do a podcast? Like how many downloads, how many conversions do we get? How many customers do we get from that each year? Like these are probably the questions that they're asking. And so they kind of have to just, again, think of it as thought leadership. There's other metrics other than sales. Sales is obviously the primary metric that a company leader, like a founder or CMO would be looking at, but there's also a lot of other things that support, you know, that content will support. So I'm guessing like those sort of leading metrics that somebody could pay attention to, are there any that you all pay attention to either in your own, you know, own things that you're creating or even at Uscreen or, or places you've been at the past where, you know, hey, th- I because I think that's something hopefully a lot of folks are starting to figure out, which is like, hey, how many downloads does this LinkedIn post, you know, uh, drive? And it's like, well, that's not the right thought. Like we're starting to move away from that. But I think that then leaves a hole of like, well, then what do I measure? What do I pay attention to? I don't know if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, A, try to use UTMs as much as you can. The majority of the world don't click on the links in the show notes and the descriptions. But one of the things that we look at as an example, Justin, is brand awareness, right? So, you know, if you launch some type of uh, content, whether it's a podcast, you get really active on LinkedIn, get active on Instagram Reels, Look at your Google Analytics and see if there's a spike in people searching your company name, right? Because now, like, how would they even know your company name, right? They must have learned from someone, somewhere. And so if you see a spike, okay, people are searching you screen directly. And those people that, you know, if you're tracking things well, those people that are searching directly tend to do better than people searching, for example, like memberships or membership sites. Okay, so people are searching you screen. We find them, they find our website, they convert better, they have longer lifetime value, less churn because they heard from somewhere, right? They learned about the brand name somewhere. And so now you can kind of see, you can, it's not a direct attribution, but it is attribution because there's no other source other than like somebody started a random Reddit, (laughs) you know, community. And now you're like really popular on Reddit, but you know, you got to attribute that a little bit to the content that you're creating as a founder. You know, if your founder's name is being searched, if your name is being searched, right? Like, hey, who's Justin? You know, then that's really interesting too, because then they heard you somewhere, right? And so that that's one way to kind of look at it. That's one metric that we look at in terms of brand awareness, because a lot of this stuff is really hard to track as hard as you want to track it, you know, with UTMs and, you know, unique bit.ly links and stuff like that. The other way that you can look at it as well is looking at the comments on LinkedIn. Uh, we were talking about uh, Yuri. Yeah, he's at a company called uh, Woodpecker, Yuri Verimchuk, really, really bright guy. And so he's using LinkedIn, Justin, to create a lot of content, long-term play, like he's been doing this for over a year, and he gets a ton of comments. And so now his team will kind of jump in and connect with those people that are commenting and sort of make, take a look and see if their ICP fits. 
to what they do and then connect with them, have a conversation, you know, which leads to sales appointments and sales demos and things like that. So there's a variety of ways. It just really depends on your setup and your industry, what your team format is. You know, are you a solopreneur? Do you have some people that can help you and all those things? The other thing is consistency, right? Like creators are the successful ones are consistent, you know, but as B2B founders, CMOs, it's like, okay, well, this thing's going to pull me away. So yeah, I haven't posted on LinkedIn in like three weeks because we've been so busy trying to land this one client, you know, I'm sure that comes across. I don't know how you deal with consistency and advise around it. Uh, I'd love to hear that. Yeah, consistency is huge. I think real quick, going back to the metrics, I think the other thing too for folks is, I always suggest this as well, is looking at those particular distribution channel metrics and looking at those specifically and how you can sort of adjust and pull levers and look at those things you know, if you've got a YouTube channel, those metrics are specific to YouTube, watch time, all of those things that matter. And then what you create and what you put on to adjust those metrics is totally different than something you would put on LinkedIn, right? Like, yes, you both need like an interesting hook and, you know, all those sorts of generalized things matter, but what works on one channel isn't going to work on the other. And so like understanding how to build those and why you're building them and all those things, I think, definitely matters for the measurement part. On consistency, it is truly, I think, one of the most underrated things for companies and creators is consistency. Because over the long haul, and I've been doing this, creating content on my own, whether it was at companies or not, for close to three years now. And I have seen a ton of people come and go in just three years. I've seen people you know, get really popular and then burn out. I've seen people try to start and then never take off because there wasn't enough there to keep them going. And I think consistency is what eventually separates the good from the great in the long term. Really, that has to do with going back to the attention economy and how how people are being drawn into brands, personal brands, companies, products, all of that is showing up consistently with the same message over and over again to where finally I know like and trust you enough to be like, ah, yes, that's the guy, that's the gal, that's the company, you know, that's who I I enjoy. And those things ebb and flow too. And I don't think we have to be scared of that. But I think from a consistency standpoint, building a system that you can actually do consistently is another huge part of it. And that kind of comes in to like this idea of these foundational things that we want to be able to do and and be able to do them really well. So for me, it's like this podcast, my newsletter and daily LinkedIn content, like those three things are the pillar of everything else I am able to do. And by me doing them hopefully well and getting better at each of them every single week, I'm able to kind of focus in on and really get better at those. Like... I would love to do YouTube at some point. Like I have just like backlogs of videos and all these things. Like I have shorts like lined up. I could do reels. I could do all this stuff. But it's like at the beginning of the year, I made the point to say like, I'm not even going to think about this until the middle of the year. Like I'm trying to like build this business. I'm trying to do these things. And rather than get distracted with like adding one more thing, I'm going to take a pause and actually focus on the things that are A, currently moving the needle because I knew the newsletter was and I had a pretty good guess the podcast would. And I'm going to focus on those. And if those flame out, then we'll adjust. But for me, that was a huge part of it as well. 
Yeah, it's good. Again, yeah, being focused, I think it's really important. Something that we, again, you look at creators, they're super focused. Like there's a lot of creators out there that are not on LinkedIn. You can't even find their name because they know they're like, just not my thing. A, I don't enjoy it. <laughs> and then B, I just don't have time for it. And I'm really focused on YouTube. YouTube's my jam. I'm trying Instagram reels. Maybe, you know, they'll have maybe a secondary channel, you know, but they're very focused. We're really consistent. Like I'm going to hit a weekly upload every week. You know, they don't veer away from that. And also to what you said of like really hammering your message and like, what is your point of view? A lot of YouTube creators out there, they'll have the same video topics every quarter. You know, they're just like, this is what I stand for. This is how you grow your YouTube channel. You know, this is how you do this, this. And it's just same videos like YouTube, how to win on YouTube 2022, 2023, <laughs> every January. You guys like start paying attention January, guys. There's always how to win on YouTube. Insert the year. It's really funny, Justin. You'll see it's like how to win on YouTube 2023, but it was uploaded like three years ago. They just changed the year and the thumbnail. Oh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. So consistency, having a strategy and just understanding your bandwidth, you know, I think it's B2B. I mean, I, you know, like B2B being on both sides, like having my own personal YouTube channel and podcast and then also being in-house uh, with a brand is really fascinating. And I think talking to a lot of people that are within brands, other sort of counterparts in other companies, they're really adopting. They're really adopting the whole creator you know, being a creator thing in-house, somebody in-house or working with brand ambassadors, they just understand it. The ones that are winning, I guess, for lack of a better term, the ones that are kind of trying to move along with how, where things are going. And they're pulling budgets from other places, Justin. They're pulling budgets from like traditional things. There's things that seem like old school, but it's fundamental, like a newsletter, right? Newsletter, like an email list, <laughs> you know? It's just fundamental, right? But they are trying, testing things and they're being more confident in, or I guess be more bold in putting their face out there, which I like to see. I mean, for me, that's kind of what that does help me when I, I'm trying to make a buying decision. Like, oh, do I want to work with this person and this person? Like, hey, I really like this. You know, this person's like really in front and they're sharing what they do. And, you know, and so people can really rally around that and really follow along, so. I'm with you there. I think being able to reverse engineer what the creators are doing, I do this all the time. Like I'd get asked this from time to time. And even when I joined a previous company, like what companies do you pay? And I'm like, I don't pay attention to any companies. Like I pay attention to like what the creators that I follow on YouTube are doing, you know, like there was a time, like I've watched a huge, like into golf, but I'm like a hobby golfer. I'm not very good, but I watched this golf channel, like these two guys and I've watched them grow their channel and then build products and get sponsorships from like Adidas and like, you know, like, and there's all these little things. But if you think about that from like golf, like I bet if you searched golf on YouTube, there's thousands upon thousands of instructors or people that you could learn from. But to your point, like you probably like one or two of those people, you know, or on YouTube, if you want to learn how to do YouTube, there are a ton of people who can teach you how to do YouTube, but there are like, maybe there's one you lean into more than the other. And I think coming up and being comfortable with those things. And when you think about like, oh, okay, that's how that works. Like, how do I build a company brand that people are either all in or out on and having something that, and not necessarily even in a bad way, just like, I'm not into how they teach. 
uh, you know, or I'm not into what they talk about. I'm, I'm more into this bend of things. I think brands being able to own that, understand that, not play it safe. It's like, it feels like a maybe too hard of a thing to say because it's not like you have to go out and be like super edgy or something, but not try to speak to everybody. Going back to speaking to your audience, going back to really trying to create content, like you said, that's educational, that's helpful, that's useful, that's entertaining potentially. Like again, like fit your lane, but not have to go out with we've got a new feature in our product. Let's make sure we go talk about that new feature. You know, it's a totally different way of doing things. Yeah, just talking to your audience, I think is really important. I mean, again, creators do this all the time, but really talking to their audience, highlighting their audience as well in their stories, you know, interviewing. If you have a podcast, if you're a brand, you had a podcast, interviewing some of your top customers, you know, that essentially is just a, a long testimonial, but it doesn't seem like that, right? Because again, it's a story that you tell that connects you to the people that you want to reach, right? That's how we reach people. Like, hey, let me tell you a story. Like, cool. Now you're like kind of sucked into their, this story. This, And so it's a testimonial, but it's like, oh, okay. So that person that had this, 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 they're like, kind of like me. Like when people listen to things, I think they put themselves in the story, right? And you're like, okay, cool. I'm like, I'm kind of the bad guy or like, I'm kind of the good guy. I'm like the hero most times, you know? So people put them, it's like, okay, cool. So that person kind of was like in the same situation as me and they ended up choosing this company because of so and this and this and this. And so, okay, cool. Like that draws my attention and now I can make a decision. And again, it's not about the price most likely, the features are very close. And so why would you choose them? Yes, because, hey, I related to this and this is how this company thinks. And you can even talk to some of your team members. There's um, a guy named Gavin Hammer, founder uh, multiple times. He, he founded Sendable, I believe. And he used to have a podcast when he was at Sendable. And he would just interview his team members. I was like, oh, this is cool. You know, like great guy, good platform. But now I'm hearing from his team members and his team members really enjoy working there and sort of the way that he runs things. And oh, well, that's really cool. That's really interesting. And so like, again, you're just more like you're finding these different touch points with your audience that has nothing to do with your product, your service, uh, your pricing. It's like them as a person, them as like, you know, a leader and a company holistically, you can kind of, you're like, kind of, let me show you behind the scenes almost. And yes, you can see like, oh, in the front, you know, it, it looks really nice, but let me show you behind the scenes and why we do what we do. That just goes so much further. Again, hard to track, Justin, super difficult to track, super difficult to propose in the beginning because you don't know if it will end up that way. It doesn't always end up successfully or there's things that you can miss as a brand, you know, but if you are consistent and you, you know, you're kind of listening to the audience and you're still applying fundamental marketing knowledge and wisdom into what you're doing, not just like privileged, like being privileged and like just putting money everywhere, it can work out really well. And it's going to work out much better than Google ads or some of these things that are so shallow, right? Like quick, quick, quick. Also, really, if you have more of a high ticket product or service, people want more, right? People want like a landing page that's really nice that you paid a lot of money for, just won't do it. Like it won't do the conversion. You need to make that connection with the audience. And so that's where thinking like a creator will really help. Yeah. 
Love it, man. Love it. This has been a super fun conversation. I think it's honestly like even making me rethink, you know, just some of the the natural things that I've been thinking about and and have tried to implement, but it does feel like there's this real tug at a company to be able to create and drive sort of like short-term impact, but you can't sustain unless you're building that long-term brand, building that long-term connection. And like you said, it's doing all those little things that are really hard and really hard to track and measure, but you know are right or are know are, are differentiated. And sometimes you can't. And I love that you said, like, they're not all going to hit. I think that's okay. Like, I mean, hopefully at your company, like failure is okay. <laughs> it's not, you're not going to bat, you know, a thousand percent. So I think, but having enough of those sort of things to start to track and iterate is a great lesson to have. I think one thing I talked about it in a previous episode, but don't be afraid to start small either. You know, like you don't have to have a full on podcast or a full on YouTube channel or a full on interview series. Like you can do a few things here and there that really uh, can drive impact and start to see, you know, like you don't have to have a full podcast where you're interviewing people inside your company, but maybe you say, hey, we're going to interview like two or three people and, and put those out there and see what that looks like. Or, hey, we're going to we're not going to start a full on show on YouTube, but we're going to record some videos and see what it takes to sort of start editing and 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 learn those muscles and and do those type of things too. Yeah, absolutely. You're you're the guy for distribution and content planning. Like you're the guy to go to for that. Like I think that's really smart. Don't commit to you know eight seasons of a twenty episode podcast. Yeah, for sure. And just start small. I like the idea of series. Actually, what you just shared. Like, hey, it's five interview series with uh, some of our top, you know, performers or whatever it is. Um, I think that's good. There's a beginning and end, and then you can kind of, you know, analyze the data after and then make a decision for V2 kind of thing. Yeah. And sometimes it's really hard, like, you know, that consistency that all those things we talked about that come into play when you're trying to build that out, it's daunting. And I think sometimes too, Uh, One of the things I've suggested to different people is like pilots and just running a pilot of something, not even like it doesn't have to be a video or podcast, but just maybe it's a new content initiative and saying, okay, we're going to, we're going to run a pilot on this to see, you know, like, especially if you're really trying to shift that culture away from maybe, hey, we're traditionally rerun like, uh, you know, millions of dollars in ads every year. Like, this is just what we do. Like, if you're trying to like shift that, like, let's take a, like you said, let's reallocate some budget. Let's take a little bit of budget. Let's test this. Let's, you know, formulate a plan, run a pilot of this to see if it's successful. This is why pilots happen in television shows to, you know, hey, is this, are people, and is anybody interested in this show? And obviously there's more nuance to that, but take that same mindset with your, with your content and be able to test different things and see what works because, Honestly, there might be that one thing that you do out of 10 that hits, but that helps drive results for the next two, three, five years of what you were doing. Exactly. And you don't know until you try, you know, you're always going to be guessing or you're always going to try it. The worst thing is like, you're trying to replicate someone else's playbook. I think I've seen that as well. I mean, I've been guilty of that as well. It just doesn't work. You have to kind of test a bunch of things exactly to what you said. Yeah. And man, if one out of 10 things work, then double down, you know, and, and double click on that and go for it. <laughs> yeah. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. Well, Rob, it's been awesome to have you on. Super fun to chat about all things creator economy. I think there's a ton of stuff here. A, if you're uh, trying to 
be a creator. I think there's a ton of stuff here. Uh, honestly, if you're trying to build that up and or build that up as like a side hustle or different things like that, um, but then also like tons of stuff to be able to grab and pull into your in-house marketing and take and, and really implement as well. So thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It's been fun. Thank you. Awesome. Thanks, Rob. All right, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Distribution First, and thank you for listening all the way through. I appreciate you so, so much. And I hope you're able to apply what you learned in this episode one way or another into your content strategy as well. Speaking of strategy, we have a lot of things going on this year that are gonna help you build your brand, 10X your content, and transform the way you do content marketing. Make sure to subscribe to the show and sign up for my newsletter at justinsimon.co so you don't miss a thing. I look forward to serving you in the next episode as well. And until then, take care and I'll see you next time.